It is a joy to be in this significant pulpit this morning. On occasions over the last many years, I've stood here in this church and I love to come. The first time was in the summer of 1974. I had just finished being the leader, or whatever they called it, of senior high camp at Camp Mitchell. And Festus Powell, your rector, had me come and preach. And oh, I loved it. The church was packed to the gills. It was in that beautiful small assembly hall over there. And it was a taste of sanity after that summer camp. So. <laughs> and it looks like it still is that today. I walked in early this morning and there's a signboard that greeted me. It captured my head and my heart. I saw spiritual principles written out. And they really, really helped, love lifted me. The first one was this, pause, listen, and choose to follow Jesus. Now, if you can do that today after hearing that gospel, if you can do that today after hearing this sermon, then you're a disciple of Christ. On any given Sunday, Holy Scripture will feed us in abundance Sometimes in ways that are as clear as the Arkansas sky, especially this morning. Sometimes in ways that elude our understanding and our expectations. On any given service of worship, a word or a lesson from Holy Writ never fails in providing what we need just when we need it, whether we want it or not. And oftentimes it takes only ears to hear and eyes to see for the message to become as real as the rain. Or as Jesus says, it takes those who are ready for the truth. And not everyone is ready for the truth, we know that. Today is a case in point. I love the way Deacon Peggy started that gospel lesson. Love your enemies. It came from that portion of Jesus' great sermon taken from St. Luke's Gospel. You know, his great sermon was recorded in two places. One was in Luke, it was called the Sermon on the Plains, and one is in Matthew, it was called the Sermon on the Mount. And they're very, very similar. Today we hear in that lesson some mighty jarring imperatives, exhortation, calls to godly action that we can't help but take note and probably would rather not. Jesus says, and I'll use a translation that I use in my own devotions. It's called the message. It's a combination of paraphrase and translation. For my own devotions, it quickens my pulse. It's really good, but let me use it today. Jesus says, to you who are ready for the truth, I say, love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer for that person. If someone slaps you in the face, stand there and take it. If someone grabs your shirt, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. If someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit-for-tat stuff. Learn to live generously. Today, when one of our headlines reads, 
the nation braces for the unveiling of the Mueller report, we might all well take to heart this scriptural imperative when making our responses. I'm not interested in exegeting the Mueller report and the ugliness that will undoubtedly ensue, especially on social media, only to bring to our awareness one more time the polarized, fractious, and divided state of affairs in in which we're all living at the moment. This intransigence in basic civility that's infected us, this massive dose of dualistic thinking that revels in dividing friend from enemy. Oh, we've resorted to some very primitive ways of thinking and behaving. We're back to black versus white, good versus bad, right versus wrong, Republican versus Democrat, evangelical versus Catholic, Christian versus heathen, gay versus straight, woman versus man. Frozen states of mind and fiery retorts in action There is no room for middle ground seeking resolution if this be the case, and it certainly has been. Jesus said, love your enemies. If someone asks for your coat, give him your shirt as well. Someone says he wants to go one mile, take him two. If someone hits you on the cheek, turn the other also. I had my own comeuppance on this score on hearing these words at a time when I really didn't want to hear them, a soundbite that I sort of pushed away. I witnessed firsthand the 9-11 attack on New York City, along with the utter devastation of the area in which I lived and worked, not to mention the deaths of 3,000 people, some of whom were close friends. Coming out of the subway on that day near my work at Trinity Church, which stands at Broadway and Wall Street, a very important intersection of streets, I saw that the upper stories of the World Trade Center South Tower were ablaze, and I quickly joined hundreds of others to run the street and to see what was happening. Watching from the entryway of the North Tower, I was jolted from my moorings physically, emotionally, spiritually when that second plane hit the building under which I was standing just 1,000 feet above. We screamed, we scrambled, and we bolted for cover. Many of us running for safety, security, sanctuary in Trinity Church Wall Street. It was just 150 yards away. And we all knew somehow, archetypally, maybe somewhere in the consciousness that the church might be the place to go to escape Holocaust. Being a priest of that congregation, I enlisted the help of the organist. And we very quickly and very extemporaneously assembled a service of prayers, hymns, and readings from scripture for the congregation that walked through the doors. And there were many of them. And it was as eclectic a group as you've ever seen in all your life. It was truly James Joyce's definition of the Catholic Church, in which he says, everybody come, and they came. We worshiped together, but more importantly, maybe, it was some crowd control, a time to get to recenter, to get our senses. 
Standing before that crowd of terrorized men and women, I racked my brains for words and music that might provide us with some kind of assurance, blessed assurance, when that kind of thing seemed in short supply. I say assurance. It comes from the word, I do believe, not reassurance. At times like these, saying, someone saying to me, why, bless your heart, you just walked through an explosion, wouldn't do. Saccharine reassurances won't cut it, a pat on the head. Platitudes and piety from what I call the Hallmark Card School of Theology are for naught. We had no idea what was happening or who was attacking or why the sky was falling or when the bell was going to toll for the likes of us. All we knew is that we were engaged in some kind of monstrously destructive battle. I chose a number of prayers that day from the Book of Common Prayer. If you're ever in a situation where devastation and desperation are the bywords, the Book of Common Prayer is a wonderful thing to have. I used a prayer that day, I remember, that has the words, Lift us to your presence, O God, where we can be still and know that you're God, that you're closer to us than the breath we breathe, that you're doing for us far better things than we can ever ask or imagine. I've been a priest for 47 years, and something happened at that moment that has never happened before. The man on the front row stood up and said, do it again. And I did it again. Lift us, we pray you, to your presence. We know that you're here. We sang hymns. We sang in particular a hymn that fit the occasion like a hand in glove. Oh, God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. And think of the next words, our shelter from the stormy blast and our eternal home. We sang Rock of Ages, my faith looks up to thee, up to thee. And I was so tempted to sing Onward Christian Soldiers. It was time to fight, I felt. I almost committed, I did commit a major musical faux pas when I announced that one of the hymns that we were to sing was Nearer My God to Thee. Now some of you are old enough to remember that first movie of the Titanic when the ship was going down into the drink and the little brass band was playing right at the front of the ship and as it went down they were playing Nearer My God to Thee. That man popped up again and he said, No, not that one. <laughs> and the congregation did just what you did. They fell out laughing. Humor, humanity, humility, it's all part of the deal. So we sang, Oh God, our help in ages past, one more time. I quickly read Psalm 23. Oh, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And Psalm 27, what I call the fear psalm. Oh Lord, my light and my salvation, whom then shall I fear? The Lord is my light, of whom then shall I be afraid? Scripture works, Scripture reaches right where we need to be, where we need to hear it. And I read St. Paul's words of assurance. Nothing in all creation could ever separate us from the love of God in Christ. Neither life, nor death, nor angel, nor principality, nor height, nor death. Nothing could ever separate us from love, the love of God in Jesus Christ. And I read the words of Jesus. 
I was reading the Beatitudes from the fifth chapter of Matthew, very similar, as I said, to the sixth chapter of Luke, the Sermon on the Plains. Reading Matthew when all hell broke loose at precisely 9.59 a.m., a sound like no sound any one of us had ever heard or ever want to hear again forced us to our knees. The sound was bam, 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 as those 102 or 110 stories imploded, fell one upon the other. The impact was so great, Trinity Church shook violently. We read later that it was almost a four on the Richter scale. That's quite an earthquake. The tower next to the church was collapsing in on itself. It was imploding, and no one in the church had any clue what was going on. Only rumors circulated. The lights went out. The place immediately filled with smoke and debris. Some of the congregation fell to the floor. Some even tried to hide themselves under the pews as if that might do any good. One very prominent member of the congregation, a longtime vestry person, yelled out a particular prayer often heard in New York City's metro subway. And she did, she said it, she prayed it with the characteristic inflection. As that noise occurred, that bam, 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 she stood up and went, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And calm me at the moment, thought to myself, what an appropriate prayer to be saying at this moment. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Well, I kept right on reading the Beatitudes. If you read the Beatitudes, beware. It moves from the blessed bees, the blessed be the poor in spirit, the blessed be the meek, the blessed be the peacemakers. They continue, and it goes into a realm of ethic I wasn't completely recollecting when I hurriedly turned to them and started reading. As I continued reading, I found myself stunned more precisely, utterly flabbergasted by Jesus' words. And the most amazing, the most uncanny juxtaposition of those words with the unimaginable, incomprehensible event that was taking place just 450 feet away. I hope you can appreciate this anomalous picture Here we were reading verses from scripture. I thought it was for crowd control, for God's sake. And all of a sudden, Jesus speaks to us in the midst of it all. And he says, I say unto you, those who can hear me, love your enemies. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. If anyone strikes you on the right cheek, Turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you. And do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. Your sign out there says, pause, listen, and choose to follow Jesus. You really want to do that as a disciple. The message jarred everyone in the church, especially me. I'm telling you, I wanted to sing Onward Christian Soldiers. We had just heard the rumor that all of Manhattan was under siege. We heard that the Empire State Building had been vaporized along with the United Nations. So to hear the words, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, was extraordinary. It was beyond imagining. 
and not an especially comforting scriptural soundbite to process at so catastrophic a moment. Our managing editor of Trinity Communications in an editorial written several days later was in the congregation that day. He commented in his words, in my opinion, the first strike in the war against terrorism occurred when the priest at Trinity Wall Street persisted in reading the Beatitudes before a shocked and dismayed congregation. Against the background of smoke seething from the wreckage of the towers, hearing Jesus' exhortation to turn the other cheek was absolutely monumental. That moment has stayed with me, and it will stay with me for the rest of my life. That moment, he says, has now taken on a life and a momentum all its own. And perhaps it will live on in God's economy as our nation's very first strike against this new and insidious war against terrorism in so massively different kind of strike than those that succeeded it. So we are Christians. We are followers of our Lord Jesus. From him we seek not only sustenance and comfort, but we seek courage and direction. We pause and ask God for the next right action and the next right thought. And Jesus is ever faithful to give it. Today, as I say, may be a case in point, one that ought to make us stand on the tiptoe of expectation and listen up. We are living through a very troubled moment in history where fear has us dividing up sides and playing the game of life in the old style of winners and losers, those who are right and those who are wrong, those who are good and those who are bad, friends versus enemies. Battles where Satan always wins, hands down, ever the victor. And here's Jesus with an alternative. To you who are ready for the truth, I say this, love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer for that person. If someone slaps you in the face, stand there and take it. If someone grabs your shirt, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. If someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit-for-tat stuff. Learn to live generously. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.